we're going we're gonna to do something a little different than what I normally do, but we have, we have the rule book for life in our Holy Bibles. And we're going to turn to 1 Timothy. Today, we are having a membership class. A lot of churches do confirmation classes, and um, usually when people are younger, and other people have very, very detailed classes. Some churches don't have classes at all. So, First, First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus is just a really good place to go in your Bibles and to learn about how the church, the body of Christ, is to be structured in some very, very important points. And I've touched on different places of First uh, and Second Timothy over the past year. But I, I'm just, I'm just going to read. I'm going to read. I know some of you don't like just reading, me to read. But as I read, I'm going to make little comments on, on it. But the Word of God, I've got, like I just shared just a, just a little bit ago, there are people who I know are reading their Bibles. And they'll say things to me about what they read in the Bible. Now, it doesn't mean you're remembering everything you're reading. That's okay. Don't worry about that. Uh, some of us retain things a little better than others. Um, even young people can get, you think their brains are just absorbing everything in, but they are so distracted by so many other things in life. We've got phones, these so-called Smartphones, I think they're, they're dumb phones. They make you dumb. They're, the phones are smart, but we're getting dumber. So you got all these distractions. So you could read something and then be quizzed on it five minutes later and just not pass the quiz. A lot of things just don't seem to sink in. But I have to catch myself all the time. You know, I start reading and then... I'm like, Where's my, where did my brain go? And I have to stop and backtrack. And then certain times, I just fall asleep when I'm reading. You know, late, late at night, I might fall asleep, and then I have to um, go back and see where I fell asleep and start reading again. But we got to get into the Word. That is our rule book. And that is our book of, of discipline. So, 1 Timothy... Paul is writing to Timothy. Now, listen very carefully to what Paul is saying, and what Paul is saying could very well be what I would say, me, as being the pastor of a church. And Timothy could be anybody here that is being ministered to and... Um, so even though this actually happened and Paul actually wrote this letter to a particular person, it's in our Bible so that we are the recipients of it as well. When Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, he, he probably had no idea that he was writing it to the whole world. 
but he was being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it. Starts with Paul. He announces himself, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior. I love that. God our Savior. And Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity or that godly love. It's a different kind of just, it's a special kind of love that uh, is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good, if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. I just said that recently. I, I don't know if it was Wednesday night or if it was a Sunday service. I don't know, but I just talked about this recently. That the law is not for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. Think about what that means and what we're dealing with in our day and age. Uh, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers. You know, we have human trafficking that is going on today. And, you, and most of us don't understand how bad it is. And what's really bad about it is it's not so much somebody going around trying to kidnap somebody to sell them into some type of trafficking. It's family members selling their own just to survive. It's terrible. That's men stealing. For liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So that just kind of throws a whole bunch of stuff out there. And if you don't know the Bible, you may not be uh, understanding what all those things are. But the Bible tells you that. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Well, that's something that I have to say, me personally. I'm preaching the gospel. And if, I'm supposed, if I was called of God to preach the word from here, from right here where I'm standing, then this applies to me as well. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer. So if I'm going to take the first part, I've got to take all this too. See, I was worthless and not anywhere near able and uh, 
worthy of, of being any kind of a minister, just like Paul says here. He was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Are you part of that club? Are you part of that sinner's club? I heard somebody ask that one time and somebody jumped up and said, I'm the president of that club. We all have to, have to admit that we have fallen short and that we need Jesus. All of us have to admit that. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, listen to carefully, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they learn not to blaspheme. Paul delivered two people to Satan so that they would learn a lesson. Now, if, if I did that, you would say, you are so mean and unforgiving. Look what Paul just did here. I, chapter 2, I exhort therefore that, first of all, supplications, prayers intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And we ask for prayer. But are you interceding for that person that you brought to us to pray for? we got supplications, we got giving of thanks. This is all different ways that we speak to God. <clears throat> and we don't have time to get into all those things in detail, but that would be a very good thing to go over. Be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So do we spend most of our time complaining about the political figures in our lives? And look, I understand we got a lot to complain about. But do we spend anywhere near the same amount of time praying for them? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. See, did you hear that? God, it says, who will have all men to be saved. That means He wants everybody to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. We should, all of us should have that same passion. We know that God wants everybody to come, and we should go out and, and treat, it don't matter who they are, we should not make judgments on anybody as far as they're too far gone, I'm going to go to this person. We, we go to everybody. 
because we know it's God's heart that all come. And we need to have that same kind of passion. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. We must introduce people to Him. I cannot take people to God, but I can show them the one who can. And that is the mediator, the one mediator, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher... And an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ, and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with... uh, broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, just recently, it was, it was the message that we didn't get recorded. It just, you know, that we had a uh, failure on recording. And I, that, was, that it was, it was the wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. Maybe it was a good thing it got deleted. I don't know. Or it didn't get recorded. But, you know, I shared something in that message. And, you know, it, when you're over there, I think it's in Peter, it says, uh, the, it says basically the same thing. And there are certain denominations that will take this to an extreme. And women, they, they, they won't even let women come into church unless they're dressed a certain way. And if they got a whole bunch of fancy jewelry on, they'll, they'll make them feel like they're terrible. Uh, makeup and, and, and all this crazy stuff that they could do. But we need to understand that it's not forbidding those things. It's, it's, just say, it's just teaching that you're to be modest and to not to try to draw attention to yourself. You need to draw attention to the Lord, especially when you're coming into a church setting. Um. So, so that joke that I told, I actually kind of messed the joke up. So I, I was talking about the pastor and his wife and how the wife had gone to the store and saw that dress, and she really couldn't afford to buy the dress, but she really wanted it. And she came home with the dress, and she said, but I tried it on, and it looked so good. And her husband said, that was just... That was just the devil trying to tempt you into buying it. She said, I know, I know, but it looks so good. Well, he, you should have said, you should have rebuked the devil. And she said, I did. I told him, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, why did you buy it? Well, he said it looked really good from back there too. So that, that's what didn't get recorded. Maybe I shouldn't have said that again. Maybe that was why it didn't get recorded. So that's a terrible, terrible thing to say. But... This is verse 10. But which becometh women professing godliness with good works? Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing 
if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, if you go back and look at how God dealt with Adam, you know, he, he didn't get a pass. He was held responsible, really, over the woman uh, because he, he allowed himself to be deceived. So this, this sounds hard on the woman right here, but knowing your whole Bible, you know that God is always saying Adam's the one who fell. Adam, it's the first man Adam lost everything. Okay, uh, chapter 3. Now, all, a lot of what I'm reading right now, you're going to see things in the bylaws and the Constitution that we put together for this church later today. We're not going to be able to go over all of that, but when we're sitting in our meeting and we're going over, we're just hitting the highlights of some of these things, there's certain things that might be in our bylaws and Constitution, statements of faith, all that stuff, that you might wonder, why does it say that? It comes out of the Word of God. So we're, I'm, I'm hopefully everybody that's going to be in that class is here, and they're going to, I'm going to be able to not have to get into too much detail in that meeting because I just covered a whole lot of it right here. All right, chapter 3. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he requireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, a husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. Now you're going to see that over and over again. That filthy lucre, that is the, this desire for money and power. But wanting money. Um, but patient, not a brawler, nor covetousness, covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now, all ministers, that just hurts their heart. Especially if you always hear the you know, people saying preacher's daughters and how bad that can be. Preacher's daughters. They all seem to be very rebellious and test their fathers. And you start to wonder if you're really supposed to be a minister, if you can't have every single person in your house, you know, being a believer and, and wanting to be dedicated to the Lord. And it really hurts. And I, I've had so many minister friends, so many preacher friends of mine that have had some really tough times with their kids. So many of them. It's, it's like you're putting your family under more of an attack of the devil when you decide to do something for the Lord. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with, the pride, with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. That means those on the outside, those who don't attend your church lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. So, same thing. Don't be... Don't... That is a major problem. 
There's certain people that you might see on TV. There's one particular person, I'm not going to mention his name, but you would all know him, ran for president years ago, and uh, I, liked him re- I liked him a whole lot when he ran for president when he didn't have anything, when he was a nobody. But now that he's worth millions, I can't hardly stand him anymore. So that filthy lucre, when, when a person gets a whole lot of money, it can change them. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let us, or, or let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives, wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. So that's, that's an important thing. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, pay very close attention in your Bibles right here. God was manifested in the flesh. Now, there are so many newer versions of the Bible that took God out and put He. It'll be capitalized, showing you that they're talking about deity, but which deity is they... What part of the Godhead are they talking about? You'll go right by it and not think anything of it. But it's significant. I'm telling you it is. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. So you have the Trinity right there in that verse. God the Father was manifest in the flesh, that's, that's God the Son, Jesus Christ, and then justified in the Spirit as the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is right there. Now if you take God out and just put He, the people who say, Jesus was just a good person, he was great, he was awesome, but they don't take him all the way back to the beginning, eternity, past. They like he instead of God. Okay, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. All right, so that right there, that verse is just an example of why I love the King James Bible why I will not preach out of anything else. I've got all kinds of other versions of the Bible. They're everywhere. Just ask my wife. They're everywhere. I have them. I read from them from time to time. But I will preach from the King James, and that's one reason why. And if we get to it, there's going to be another verse that uh, is... I, I don't, we're not going to get to it. But anyway, unless I just bring it up. There's a, there's a verse that's, that talks about without natural affection. And that might even be over in 2 Timothy. All new versions of the Bible change it to unloving or a word like that. Without natural affection. What do you think that is talking about? 
And we, so it, it's not saying they're not loving, but they take, it, they take that phrase out and put heartless or unloving in place of it. But it's not saying they're unloving. It says affection, so they're being loving, but it's not natural. Loving. And all new versions mess that up. And then you go back to uh, Romans chapter 1, where it talks about the same thing. Unnatural. That's, that, in Romans 1, you get over to around verse 25, 26, 27, talks about very detailed, talking about homosexuality. One of the main reasons that that was, that was the reason that kept being brought up as why we're separating from the church, from the uh, big denomination. That wasn't the only reason. That just happened to be one of the many reasons why we wanted to separate. But that's the one everybody talked about and how we were so mean and unforgiving about a certain type of people. But it wasn't just about that. And we got to stick with what the Word of God says. Not with, not with uh, our feelings. All right, uh, back over to uh, uh, chapter 4, 1 Timothy. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That is what has happened. We've seen it. The, if you wanted to have a debate with the big denomination, they brought nothing for their evidence from the Word of God. They had nothing. And when I called them out on that, they had nothing to say. And I wasn't mean. I just said, take notice that their side has nothing from the Bible at all that they're bringing to the table. And everything that we were debating came from the Bible. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nursed up in the words of, of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So that really registers to our, what we're living in today. And it even goes back. It even goes back to uh, um, Roman Catholicism, you know, telling the priest they couldn't marry. So it's not new, but it's definitely some of these things are very new for today as well. Uh, seven, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. You need to accept this. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. 
These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in faith, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading. Ah, I love that. You like that, Lois? Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Every single one of you have a gift. And when you become a born-again believer, God starts to show you your gift. You start to work in those gifts. Um, as any which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, not saving as salvation, you know, what we call salvation. There's different types of saving in the Bible. You can actually save somebody's life. You know, um, save them from a really hard life. All right, now, I would love to be able to read the rest of 1 Timothy. And if I didn't say anything at all in between reading verses, I could get it all read in 16 minutes. But um, we got very little time. I want to be able to get over to the fellowship hall here in just a few more minutes. So I'd like to get over there by 11.45 and it's 11.41 right now. So it's, it's, up to, it's up to you guys to get into the Word. You know, when we go over there, we're going to be looking at some bylaws, Constitution, but those are things that you need to read, and we're all guilty of not reading. You know, we might read it and then forget what's there. It's not something that you get all excited about, you know, reading bylaws. Constitution and all that, but it's something. It's we're each and every one of us are responsible for knowing those things, but especially what's in the what's in the good book. So I am I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we have a final hymn, and then after that I'll have a, just a a reminder before we walk over to the other side. Uh, to the other side of the building. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for all those just heroes of, of the faith. Father, those who you were able to touch and you saw, the, you saw the potential that they had. And Father, I know that you see potential in all of us. And Father, we know that it's your will that all would come to salvation through believing, believing in the shed blood of Jesus. And Father, I pray that we would be a church that is so focused on that and introducing people to that one mediator that can, can get, you know, just a person who may feel like they're an absolute nobody, that they just don't think they're important to anybody here on this earth, but, Father, that they would realize through Jesus they can go above any that's on this earth and go directly to you.
And Father, that you care about them. Father, I pray that eyes will be opened, hearts will be softened, that your word will enlighten souls and the Holy Spirit will convict souls. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us will have a faith in your Son for the salvation of our soul. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.